The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Welcome to the presence of God. I'm so excited because I'm going to be sharing a message with you for a few minutes. And then we're going to pray. We're going to worship a little bit more, baptize, and we'll be on our way. But I'm having a lot of fun. I want you to do this for me. I want you guys to have a seat, please. And get out your Bibles or your Bible apps. Some of you may not have an app on your Bible. Well, now's a great time to download it. Just go to your little app store and get a Bible. If you have the City Life app, if you have the City Life app, which I recommend that you do, you just go to the little Bible button right on the front of that, and we have the Bible right there for you. I want you to get it out, and you're going to get your Bibles, Bible apps out, and open it up to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. You're going to need your Bibles to read along, because I have a tradition at City Life Night. I don't give prompts on the screens. I don't give the scriptures like that. I, I like to change things up, and it's, it's been my tradition at City Life Night. I don't put all the notes up there. I do that on Sundays and, and for other things, but... I really want you to be fully engaged with the Bible yourself. And I want you to even take some notes and write some things down. Tonight's message is called No Other Name. I asked, uh, uh, Jordan asked me uh, several months ago, he says, Pastor, what is going to be the theme for the summers, the, the Summer City Life Night? And I said, No Other Name. He goes, well, tell me, what does that mean? <laughs> he, 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 wants, he wants more than just three words. He, he wants an explanation. It's like, okay, okay, gotcha. And, and I said, Really, there's no other name except the name of Jesus, and it's not about me. And so he said, okay, good. I'll take that, and I'll run with it. And so he took it to his team, and they, they, they did something amazing with this graphic right here. Because, and, and they've been using it all over the place for the past few weeks, but I love it because what they did is they took the words no other name, but then emphasized not me. Never even realized that not me is embedded in no other name. Because, you know, status quo living, status quo living, if that's what you want, well, status quo living is all about me. It's what's what I want, what I want. It's like, I, 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 me, 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 you know, that kind of a thing. And if you want to have a status quo life, then, then go for it. You want the life of entitlement, go for it. In fact, I, I, I have this favorite, um, I have a lot of favorite movies, but the, one of my favorites is the movie Hook. Have you, have you guys ever seen that? I know it's kind of old now, but I think it's, it's, I love the movie. I really did. I made my children watch it over and over and over with me. <laughs> and, uh, and I loved it. But I, there's this little clip, and you've just got to see it. T t take a look. Take a look. Take a look. This thing of entitlement, because we do it a lot. We really do it, I think, more than we even realize we do. And, and that, that's, that's actually dangerous. <laughs> I'm going to talk a little bit about that, about the me thing, because because. Really, when we make things all about ourselves, we, we, we step into some significant danger. And, and uh, I just want to warn me, I want to warn us about that. Because entitlement is the opposite of gratitude. Because people who are grateful don't feel entitled to anything. That's why we worship. Actually, did you know that worship is a cure for entitlement? See, actually, you can't worship and be entitled at the same time. 
in Luke chapter 9. I want to read this to you, and I, I want you to have your Bibles open to Acts 3. We're going to go there in a second. But in Luke chapter 9, you can uh, just, just listen to this. Jesus said this, and this is good. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And then he said this incredible line, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever, his, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And then he said, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into glory, in the glory of the Father, and the glory of the angels. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose and forfeit their very self. Do you realize when we make things all about us, we're killing ourselves? That's what Jesus said. He, he, he said it actually in three completely different ways. And, and I think Jesus did that. He repeated it and told it three different ways to really try to drive home the point. And he's saying, stop making it all about you. Stop being entitled to everything. Stop being so afraid to use my name, and don't be afraid to be a believer, because that's actually going to destroy you. And he's like, well, that's mean. Why does, why does Jesus say that? Well, well, here's the deal, is God tells us this not to put us in a box or to try to restrict you and hold you back from the nice things that you might want. No, it's because he loves you and he wants to free you and he's telling you this law of the universe. See, he wants you to live a vibrant life. He wants you to live your, live your life wonderfully, but not for yourself, but for him. Now, Please understand, what I'm saying this is, is I'm not saying that you should just, just do nothing. No, no. I mean, you should work hard. You should have goals. You should make progress. Yes, you should start your businesses, and, yet, and you should also be wise, of course. But if it's all about you, you lose. In fact, you lose big. So what Jesus did is he offered this different route, this, this route of following him and saying, if you just do what I do, then everything's going to be all right. And really, what did Jesus do? He just, in fact, he, he, he boiled it all down to, to, to a really simple phrase. You just love God and you love other people. That's what God, that's what Jesus did. He loved the Father and he loved people. It's really, really simple. It's very, very effective and it works. And, and when we do this, it, it, it's not restricted to an occupation. You're going to say, well, well, you're a pastor, so it's easy for you to do that. Well, no, it has nothing to do with your occupation, your season of life, your socioeconomic status, your gender, your ethnicity, none of that. It's just simply saying, I'm not going to live an entitled life. Instead, I'm going to live a life of extravagant worship and extravagant love for other people. So there's this incredible story in the Bible. And, 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 and I, 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 today I just I want to tell you this story. It's in, it starts in Acts chapter 3. I'm not going to read every word of it because it covers two full chapters, but we're going to dive into it. So get your Bibles. I, I use the New International Version so you can follow along there. Uh, and and, and let, let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, just to let you know the setting. Jesus had, had risen from the grave and he had ascended into heaven and, and the, all the followers of Jesus had been filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, they, and they, were, they were starting to go out and preach to people people in Jerusalem, and, and all this stuff was just shaking up Jerusalem. Uh, the crucifixion was probably just a couple of months earlier before this had all happened. So Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. It's just their normal thing to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, there was a man who was lame from birth who was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. 
Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But do you take visa? Do you take push pay? I mean, he didn't, no, he didn't say, say any of that. He just said, in other words, I don't have any cash. But I do have something else. He says, what I do have, though, I will give to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then he took him by the hand, by his right hand, and he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles grew strong. Muscle grew around them. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Now, I just have to tell you something here. I know a little bit about a messed up leg because when I broke my patella uh, uh, almost uh, about, about, uh, about 19 months ago uh, or so, I mean, it was, it's taken me a long time to rebuild the muscle in my leg, and it took me a long time just to walk. And, I'm, and, and, and you know, I can think of it like this. You just don't get up from a situation where your legs don't work and you start jumping. It just doesn't work. So this was a miracle from God, all right? Okay, picture this. He goes into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. Now, if you were to see that, you're going, oh, he's one of those weird charismatics. What is wrong with him, you know, or something like that. But sometimes we judge other people and we don't even know what has just happened in their life. You know, I say, that person worships weird. Well, you don't, you don't know what's just happened in their life. They may have just been healed from cancer, you know. They may have just gotten out of prison first day back in the real world. I love it, though, because it says that when the people saw him walking and praising God, then they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And so, so this far in the story, here we see Peter and John, and they're doing this thing. They're, they're not making anything about themselves. They're like, well, why am I in too big of a hurry? I'm not going to deal with this. I don't have time for this. I've got a meeting to get to. Prayer meeting's about to start. It's 3 o'clock. I'm late for prayer meeting. No, what they did is, is they just they stopped and they showed extravagant love for this man, and they had no fear in using the name of Jesus. Now, you say, well, that's not a big deal. Oh, yes, it would have been a big deal back in that day because they just killed Jesus a few days earlier. You see? And, and, and they, were, they had been hunting for these disciples to get them too. So, no fear. He just does it. It's not about them. And then the man jumps up and he starts doing the extravagant worship. These guys are extravagant in their love to him. This man starts extravagant worship. So, you know, everything's looking pretty good, right? Well, yeah, Absolutely. And then, and then what's kind of cool is, is Peter and John, they preached to the crowd because people started coming around. And, and, uh, and about 2,000, I mean, we don't know exactly how many people, but up to 2,000 people came to Christ, be, accepted Jesus right there when they saw that miracle. I mean, it was huge. But there were some people who got mad. You know, there's always a grouch in the bunch, right? There's always a grouch in the bunch. So some people got mad, and, and they, they stirred up some other people, and they came and got uh, Peter and John arrested, and they put them in jail overnight. So we're going to pick this up in Acts chapter 4, verse 5. So flip over there. Acts chapter 4, verse 5. We're going to pick up the story with what's going on now. Because now we have a setting, and I'm going to read some names to you in Acts chapter 4, verse 5, where, where these are the names of actually the people that put Jesus on trial. 
Now, Peter and John's in front of them. So look at this. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of, of the law met in Jerusalem. And they had Peter and John brought before them. And they began to question them. By what power? They, I know they did it like that. Because it has to be that kind of a voice. By what power or what name did you do this? Because uh, they, they've got it all figured out, you know? So you, you talk with that kind of an accent when you're really smart. And so Peter then, filled with the Holy Spirit, talked like a good Fort Worth man, and he said, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called on account today for an act of kindness shown to the man who was lame, and we're being asked how he was healed, well then, just know this. You and all the people of Israel know this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, and this man stands before you healed. And he goes on, and he said, Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He's quoting some scripture. They knew what he was talking about, and that made them even more mad. And then he says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. Say those three words with me. No other name. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So Peter, I mean, this boldness comes over him. And he's not ashamed of the name of Jesus, right in the presence of the people who ordered the execution of Jesus Christ just a few weeks earlier. And and, and he was able to do this because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, he, and, and it's no longer about his comfort. It's no longer about him. I mean, several weeks earlier, he, Peter was, it was, he was making it all about himself. You heard my, if you were here two weeks ago, you heard my, or last Sunday, you heard my story about Peter. And, and, you know, he was kind of all about himself up until this point. But things had changed here. It's not about his reputation anymore. It's about Jesus. I just think about this. If you were put on trial... Because you ministered and healed someone in the name of Jesus, what would you do? And the pressure came on you. And, and, and I, I began to wonder as I was reading this story, because Peter would have been there when Jesus said what I quoted earlier. I wonder if the words of Jesus echoed in his mind at that time. The Holy Spirit brought it back to his memory where Jesus said, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. Wow. I, I want to tell you something. Those words have motivated me all my life. Ever since I was a kid, I was motivated by those words. I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus and his gospel. I remember going to school, and I thought I was the only Christian kid in my school. And, and, and I, I, I didn't like it. In fact, I remember kids would, would I remember in sixth grade one time, all, all the guys were sitting around, and it was gym class, and, and so that's, the guys talk a little more rough at that time. And it was sixth grade, and, 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 and so, so uh, the guys all looked at me and, and just said, hey, why don't you cuss? You need to, you, you, something wrong with you? Are you a sissy or something? Why don't you cuss like the rest of us? You probably go to church too. <laughs> They're all laughing and all, and I'm going, I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus. I'm not, I just, I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus. I just said, well, I serve Jesus. <laughs> you know, I felt terrible. It did not make me feel good. But I just knew this. I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus because he'll be ashamed of me. And, I, you know, sometimes those things like that motivate you just to do the right thing. I remember one time, uh, Devin, Devin, my son here, he, uh, <laughs> he became the neighborhood evangelist when he was about seven, maybe, maybe eight years old. 
he was passionate about this because he was in kids' church and got excited because they were saying, you need to share Jesus with your friends and your neighbors. And so he thought, well, why not just set up a summer just a summer church service right out here in the neighborhood so what he did the innocent kid he goes out and rounds up all the neighbors all the neighbors and and yeah and it was it was all boys and there's one girl in the neighborhood right i mean that's was all a bunch of boys so he gets them all out there and 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 he's and he preaches to them about jesus and he tells them if you don't accept jesus you're going to hell and these kids their eyes are getting big like i don't want to go to hell hell's bad and you're gonna burn and fire it's gonna be horrible Who's going to accept Jesus today? All the kids, me, me, me. So, I mean, he led the whole thing. Devin came back home. I mean, that guy, he has like the biggest smile anyway, but he was smiling so big that day. He said, Dad, more people are going to be in heaven. I got the whole neighborhood saved. Like, yes, 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 yes. A little bit later, on the door. Two doors down was a family that, you know, they, 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 they believed a little different, let's just say. And uh, I wasn't there at the time, but Rebecca dealt with it. The mom said, I just want you to understand that our son, see, what, what was the, young, the son's? Brennan. <laughs> you just need to understand that we had not shared anything with Brennan about hell yet. <laughs> and we didn't want to share anything with him about hell for a long time. But now he knows, and we, wanted, we, we don't like the fact that he knows about hell now. And so she's there trying to make it all better. You know, like, okay, well, uh, I don't even know how she handled it. I'm sure she handled it very gracefully and everything. But, but uh, you know what? We, 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 so what we did is we said, well, Devin, you know, when you're preaching, maybe you just not preach about hell all the time. You can just preach about the other things. So he kept this thing going, and he had church all summer long. But I love the fact that he wasn't ashamed of the name of Jesus. Well, in this situation, they're standing before all these guys, and it's escalating. It's getting more intense. Look in Acts chapter 4 now, down at verse 16. Pick up the story here. And so they're talking amongst themselves. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem know they have performed um, a notable sign. I mean, come on. It was a miracle, okay? It's a notable sign. Well, everyone here, it's been a notable sign, and of course we can't deny it, we can't cover it up because the guy's jumping over there again. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, because they don't want things to get out of control. You see, religion will try to control things, saying, no, 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 just, ra- just calm down, don't get too excited about Jesus, go on your way, enjoy life, make it about you. But I'm telling you, that's not the way to go. Well, religion was trying to do that here. These are religious leaders, and, and it says, we must warn them not to speak, to, to, to speak no longer to anyone in his name. They wouldn't even say the name of Jesus, in his name. <laughs> so, so they called them in again, and they commanded them, you are not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is your order from the magistrates. And Peter and John replied, well, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You're judges. You be, you be the judges. You're the smart guys. I love what they said. But they said, for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, right there, that tells me something is powerful about having an experience with God. 
A lot of people are doubting today because they've never seen or heard anything. They've never experienced the life and the power of God. They've never seen God really work miracles. And so they, there's a lot of doubting. But I tell you what, when you see it and you've experienced it and you know God is on the scene, and you cannot help but speak about what you've seen and what you've heard. And that's the way to freedom. That's the way out of entitlement, making it about yourself. It says, after further threats, they let them go. They, would, uh, they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. You know, there was so much worship and praise going on. God, we love you. Thank you for healing the man. Like the, the religious leaders are going, oh, we wish we could punish these guys, but these people are worshiping too much. Worship, see, worship, listen, worship cancels out the enemy's plans to bring you down also, just like Preston shared earlier. Look in verse uh, 23. Come on, down here near the end of this chapter, it says, on their release, so they were let go, Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported to all the chief priests and the elders. They reported that, you know, all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so this is a group of believers, leaders of the church. And when they heard this, they actually started a prayer meeting and a worship service right there. It says they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They prayed, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It sounds kind of like the praise songs that we have. We just begin, they begin worshiping. They begin worshiping the name of Jesus. Praying out loud is just one loud voice. They were just roaring with worship and prayer at that moment. And they began praying. And what they were actually doing is they were magnifying the Lord. You know, sometimes we sing that line in a song, we're going to magnify the Lord. And we want you to think about what does it mean to magnify the Lord? Well, fortunately, I just happen to have my handy magnifying glass. Now, some of you may have seen this sticking out of my back pocket thinking, ah, he's a 70s guy because he has, a, he has a, a, a comb in his pocket, you know. Uh, how many of you were in the 70s and you had a comb sticking out of your back pocket? And you were honest. You'd be honest with me. Come on, how many, how many of y'all? See, you were good. You, yeah, you guys are good. Uh, who else? You had a comb sticking out of your back pocket. See, I, see, see you know, that it is cool to have a comb saying, I don't anymore. My wife won't let me. But I still think it's cool. I saw a guy about, about three weeks ago with a comb sticking out of his pocket. Like, He's still in the 70s. That is so cool. I mean, he actually looked like it too. But, uh, but anyway, and he was my age. So, but what it means to magnify the Lord, it's like what this magnifying glass does. You see, it just raises the intensity you make God bigger. You know, if I put this in front of my eye, all of a sudden my eye gets bigger. You're going to Pastor Tim, that's kind of scary. Now you see, you're magnifying my eye. We magnify the Lord. We make him bigger. Also, another thing about the magnifying glass, I learned about this as a kid, and I, I taught my sons to do it as well when they got bored because there are some things like fire ants that you just don't like and you want them to go away in the hot Texas sun. I learned how to do this a long time ago. When I, you take that hot Texas sun in the middle of the summer when those fire ants are all over the place, you don't have any uh, Amdor or whatever to get rid of them, and so you just, you just magnify and watch them go away. I, I, yes, I killed ants. I really, really did, and I taught my sons to do that. But you know what? When you magnify the intensity, you just, you just, you guys missed out on life not being at my house, but you magnify the intensity of that light and it is piercing and it does damage to darkness. I'm telling you guys, magnifying the Lord is huge. 
The potential is amazing. And what happens in here can be amazing when we magnify God. It increases the potency, the presence of God. We make him great in our worship. It's more of Jesus and less of us. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Take a look as, as they're finishing up their prayer services. Then they say, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable us, your servants, to spread the word with great boldness. They're just saying, you know what? If, if the enemy's going to fire at us, we're, we, we, we just need more boldness from God. Stretch out your hand, God, to heal, perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed in Jesus' name, the place where they were meeting was shaken. There's, there's literally an earthquake there. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. More of him, less of us. Look what can happen. Like the band and the worship team to come back up I, I i want you to live a life of more power and even more blessing see more power more blessing actually comes to us when we say really there is no other name and it's all about you jesus it's all about you when we magnify him when we glorify him that's when he heals us that's when we delivers us see sometimes we make it all about ourselves and we're trying to deal with all of our stuff and we can't get it solved and 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 we're trying to we're, we're trying to do it in our own strength but jesus is saying you know what if you would just follow me concentrate on me give me some worship and praise i just might do some huge miracles for you i might just change the course of your life psalm 115 states this i want you to listen to this is a song that people used to sing in, sing in ancient worship gatherings. They sang this, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. The song says, you who fear him, trust the Lord. Now here's the good part, because when we trust God, we make it all about him, it says, he is your help, and he'll be your shield. He'll protect you better than you can protect yourself. He says, the, the song says, the Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. The song says, may the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. So hey guys, you don't have to make it about yourself anymore. You don't have to bless yourself. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. There is no other name but Jesus. And when we magnify him and lift him up, amazing things happen. We are very encouraged to hear what God is doing through City Life to change lives. If you have a story to share of how City Life has impacted you, please let us know at story at citylifecenter.org. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.